0: The Homeland Security guys had been sent by Washington to evaluate Winter study. For 50 years, Isle Royal had been a lab for Michigan Tech in cooperation with the National Park Service. The park provided money and physical support. In return, the wolf researchers added to the glamour of Isle Royal. Visitors followed the rise and fall in the pack populations as avidly as soap opera devotees. A sizable percentage of the world's knowledge of wolves had been produced by the study. To remain viable, the ISRO Wolf Moose Study had two requirements $50,000 a year, peanuts as far as research money went, and that ISRO be closed to tourism from October to May when the wolves mated and denned. Homeland Security had put forth a resolution to beef up security in all border parks. To that end, they were exploring the possibility of opening the park year round. To better protect the border from terrorists, if the wolf-moose study, running for over half a century, could be said to be effectively mined out as far as relevant data was concerned, Homeland Security was going to shut it down. ISRO would be open to cross-country skiers and winter campers. The wolf researchers, Anna, NPS Seasonals, and Homeland Security, in the persons of rented experts from American University, would share a bunkhouse for six weeks. The mic woke up, and the seventh grader flying the plane said, It was a man and a woman, Homeland Security. The guy was somebody Ridley Murray recommended. I can't believe the park would do this to Rolf. It was Robin, from the back seat. Her voice activated Mike, crackling with more anger than static. Rolf Peterson retired, the pilot said. The study is Rolf. Robin again. From Robin's fierceness. Anna guessed she, like a lot of other young outdoors people, was in love with the charismatic wolf researcher. The mic was live for another moment, as if an unspoken thought prolonged its activation. Then, noiselessly but unmistakably, it went dead again. Fleetingly, Anna wondered what differentiated that quiet open line of communication and the quiet but utterly different isolation that followed. Maybe it was the difference between silence and deafness, "'some sense deeper than the stirrup and hammer "'that tells one she is alone. "'Embracing the solitude, "'she watched the frozen miles pass beneath the beaver's wings "'and thought of Paul. "'It wasn't only the Mississippi heat that had thinned her blood. "'Paul Davidson was the source of the living heat in her life. "'After her first husband, Zach, had died, "'Anna had, without even knowing she'd done so, "'chosen a chill and lonely place to stow her heart,' A limbo where it continued to beat, like the heart of a frog frozen in winter mud, to thaw to new life come spring. Paul had been her spring. They had been married four months. They had been together ten days of it. For a gut-wrenching minute, her career seemed a foolish exercise, a pointless labor for little pay, a cruel hoax that had lured her from her marriage. "'Lakes wide open,' the pilot said. "'Anna looked at what she'd thought was the gleam of ice "'on the approaching shore of Lake Superior. "'Open water. "'In a colder winter, a pair of wolves had crossed an ice bridge from Canada "'and set up housekeeping on the island. "'The lake freezing solid from Isle Royal to the Canadian shore was rare. "'It hadn't happened in over thirty years. "'Washington Harbor reached out a welcoming arm, "'and the airplane flew in low and slow.' The weekly arrival of food and people from the outside world was apparently quite an event. A snowmobile, surrounded by four figures so muffled in layers of clothing that they looked like bags of dirty laundry, was parked on the ice east of the dock. As the airplane slid gracefully from the sky, one of the bundles turned its back, dropped its insulated trousers, and mooned them, a pale butt exposed to the elements. Anna laughed. As the propeller came to a stop, Bearded faces with fur-rimmed hoods peered up at them, and Anna was put in mind of Cro-Magnons first sighting a metal bird from the gods. The pilot shut down the engine, unbuckled his harness, and slid from the left seat. Robin Adair, light as a snowflake in a Christmas globe, drifted from the rear seat to the harbor ice. Anna pawed open her harness buckles and maneuvered her oversized boots out one at a time, thrust her down-padded rear end out the door, and clambered awkwardly down the itsy-bitsy steps on the wheel pant.